My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. And today, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you can find writing about video games over at comicbook.com. And today we are discussing Barbenheimer, the release of Barbie and Oppenheimer, both on Friday, July 21st. One of the bigger movie events that I could think of in years, you know, I, I I don't want to quite put it on the like, is this the biggest movie event since No Way Home? But that's kind of how it feels, right? It has proliferated the culture to that extent. I don't think I'm trying to because No Way Home was the end of 2021, right? Yeah, I would say maybe Top the Gun. Batman, Top, Batman, Top Gun, Top Gun, Top Gun but Top Gun yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. It, people it people built over time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Barbenheimer, as it were, has been a fan-generated event to such a successful degree that now Paramount is trying to push um, Saw Patrol which is the release of... Is that an official thing they're trying to do? Yes, I, I've, I've seen them do it <laughs> online. And I actually I apologize for spreading the word of this because I hate it that much, but I feel like it's worth pointing out how much of a success Barbenheimer has been, which I should note, it has been a success because it was organic and not created by a fucking yeah. company. But <clears throat> Paramount is now doing Saw Patrol because Saw 10 and Paw Patrol release on the same day. So all that said... The hype leading up to these films in this day has been huge. And I think somewhat surprisingly, I you know, given the quality of filmmaker and talent involved, I think people largely expected both of these films to be good. But I think the fact that they consensus seem to be great is pretty fucking wild. Yeah, I mean, everyone's calling Oppenheimer like a definitive masterpiece. Like I've seen very few people say it's like, uh, I don't like it. I just have a hard time wrapping my word around masterpiece where it's like, this is the guy who made the dark Knight. Like, <laughs> sure. like, you know, like it is one of the defining films maybe of the last 10 years, but I'm also sure. I'm also not sure for me, it cracks my Nolan top two or three. You so how do middle, I, right? how do I marry those two things? You know? Yeah. People are either way. The, the hype is through the roof for that movie, regardless of how you feel about it. Like uh, everyone is definitely saying it's great. It's amazing. Go see it. And then Barbie is like this tour de force where even I was I saw children. I went at 1130 at night. It was sold out. And there were children there and like people. Why adults, did you like, go that late? Because you couldn't get in sooner because they were. No, I just work until 10 p.m. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm sure it was still packed the whole night. Um, yeah. Like there were in the hallway to go see my screening. There were like three other theaters playing the movie. And that's on a Thursday night. And I mean, we can talk about the box office here or later, whatever you want to do. But um it's crushing Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's the what was, what was the exact figure? Do you know? Twenty two million. Twenty two million on a Thursday night preview, which is really impressive given the previews. Comparison: Guardians three made seventeen. Yeah, that's crazy. Like the fact that a Barbie movie is outperforming that because, like, I think you know there's a uh, a, st- a stigma against Barbie that it's for girls, right? That's how you're 
people grow up as Barbie is for girls, but everyone is going and seeing this movie. Um, and I think that's that's really impressive that this movie is having the start that it's going to have and is almost going to have over $300 million globally by the end of the weekend is what wow. is being reported. So, I mean, it's going to be, I think it'll probably be bigger at this point because this movie is going to build momentum over the weekend. Um, I think it's going to be, I mean, I don't want to go out on a limb here, but is this a billion dollar movie? I don't think it's out of the question. I just wonder about its legs because I feel like everybody who is interested in seeing it is seeing it as soon as possible. So I feel like it's going to be a very front loaded film. I think what, you know, Warner Bros has been a easy target for a few years now, but they need to be given credit for how much the marketing has proliferated the culture, right? So I went to see this today's Friday. I went to see this on Wednesday night and I, I caught a bus to go see it. And as I was leaving my place, I had the Barbie song in my head just because <laughs> that's how my brain works. And as I was going to buy a drink at the store, I heard the Barbie song playing down the street in the real world. And then walking to the bus stop, I saw like a little boutique shop with a sign in their thing. Come on, Barb, let's go shopping. And so just the way that like the entire world seems to be participating in the event nature of it. Like I have been trying to build up my letterbox. And when you hit the like on that, the heart is pink. <laughs> and like the, these are just the little things that they really have extended the tentacles of this film everywhere that they possibly can. It helps that they have two of the most beautiful and charismatic stars on earth out there giving it their all to promote the shit out of it. But just the way in which they have wisely used tie-ins and probably spent a lot of money on ads, it's worked. And there is no denying that like you get people like my dad, 63 or four year old man being like, what's going on with Barbie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the local news has been talking about this all week. They've been talking about Oppenheimer and Barbie. And I'm like, if it's reaching the local news, that's that's not insignificant. You know, you're getting that out to the older audiences who don't really, you know, look online. And um, even the movie theaters, they have these. You have senators making <laughs> yeah. Barbenheimer jokes, which yeah. makes me want to throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> but that's the fact it's, of the matter. Yeah. Exactly. And the movie theaters around here are doing like, life-size boxes where you can like pose inside of a barbie box and pretend to be a barbie doll yeah my boss did that and i at first glance i thought that they had made a real doll of him (laughs) (laughs) i was freaked out for a second yeah (laughs) yeah so it really goes to show just how much of a reach this movie has and will probably continue to have i want to go to target this weekend and see what the fucking toy aisle looks like because i'm sure it's insane i wanted i wanted to see what mattel stock was because someone was saying mm-hmm. you guys should buy mattel stock uh why because that ago. new yorker piece that came out a few weeks ago saying that they've got like plans for like 20 plus films or something uh hot wheels with um <laughs> hot, wheels with, Dark hot wheels with green hot wheels with uh jj abrams yeah a like what's described as an A24-esque take on Barbie with Daniel Kaluuya. Barney. And I think, uh, sorry, yes, Barney. And then I think Vin <laughs> Diesel is involved in Rock'em Sock'em Robots. So Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't tell if you're being serious. Or no, not. I am not. I, just, I didn't know that one. So, <laughs> um, 
yeah, stock hasn't really done much today, but I would love to see that next week and see what happens. Because like you said, yes, they have a lot of plans for movies, but I mean, you got to imagine end of this year, the toy sales are going to be out of this world for Barbie. I mean, I guess I don't know. Like this movie is pretty adult. Like I was surprised. Extremely, extremely yeah. so. And but that's sort of the beauty of, you know, like the way that they break the fourth wall, the way that there are multiple and i wouldn't even call them like sexual innuendos because that would imply that they're being sort of snuck in they're just full-blown sex jokes yeah right and i'm and i and i think that that's why greta gerwig both because it works in terms of the tone of the film but i think that that's why gerwig went for such an aggressively dollhouse or what you called a lazy town-esque look because that is what's going to occupy the kids for most of the time are the mm-hmm. sight and the sounds. It's certainly not the content of the film, which is about like gender roles and self discovery and purpose. And so the ingenuity of turning this sort of IP into this kind of story is like borderline genius. Yes. And goes to show like, I mean, Mattel is heavily involved with this movie, right? And they're literally, like, calling out the... I don't know if Mattel's CEO in real life is a man or not, but, like, th- this movie definitely, like, kind of, like, targets those those kinds of people. And Yes, but I don't... But do you think making jokes about most boardrooms being all white men is a particularly brave swing? No, it's not, but it. I feel like it... When you're have control over the movie you can tell someone don't do that like yeah which i'm curious because there was um in that report mattel execs apparently flew out to the set of the film to speak with gerwig about a line that they didn't think represented the brand like i'm so curious now considering that the, the corporation itself vaguely played the villains of the plot i'm so curious to know what that line could have been yeah do you do you know if they cut it i know i don't know interesting maybe she got her way i don't know yeah this yeah. their ceo is a man so i mean i mean like it's not a big deal but like uh it, it's just they got away with something i think by mattel backing this movie in such a prominent way and letting them you know not only just got to fund this movie and then they got to go make a barbie movie but they could also like you said make a movie with some like real depth real themes and sometimes they think they would have been better off just looking down the fucking camera and just saying what they want to say because it, it's not I, I don't know if they handle all of the way they uh want to divulge that information in the best way I, I think there could have been a little bit more less heavy handedness I mean it is the heaviest hand it is not text it is sub or it is not subtext it is text in yeah the I'm on the same page way. with that I don't know if the <laughs> sentimentality of the third act works for me and that's not because Basically, men are propped up as both the bad guys and punchline, because frankly, I think both of those things are largely true. And I thought it was super funny, the whole Ken discovering what the world thinks manliness (laughs) actually is, was really, really funny. So all that shit worked for me. But I didn't think the sentimentality of it, i.e. Barbie's personal journey or the journey of the mom and daughter works because as you say they lay it on thick right but the first hour of the film is look how fucking ridiculous this all is so for them to take that hard 180 into like having barbie and the creator of barbie meet in like the heaven version of king's cross station to like 
discuss what she means to women around the world and what her purpose was, it felt like having that storyline in there just to tick it off and not so much as like consistent with what the first hour was, which I really enjoyed. That said, given the quality of the filmmaker and talent involved in telling that story, I was still largely on board with it. But for me, I had much more fun when it was just a hard comedy, which it was a lot of the time, laugh out loud funny. Yes, it is still funny in that second half, but it is, um, like you said, a hard turn, like on a dime. Uh, And it goes from, I think, in the first half being subtle isn't the right word, but a lot less direct about what it's trying to say. And then completely, like I said, would would have been better off just looking down the barrel of the camera and speaking the lines into it just to say what you want to say. I mean, a lot of a lot of buzzwords. And again, this is not me being like, I don't like this movie. Hate it on me as a man. It's it's just like there is a way to write. I think the things you're trying to write without being like beating you over the head with the biggest hammer in the world uh, over it. And I found that just kind of like it. It feels lazy isn't the right word either but like derivative yeah i think so it 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 just it doesn't feel like you're able to weave your message into the context of the movie without having to you know just spill out and like i think it would have worked better if the way that they attached barbie's emotional well-being to a human had they done that with ken and shown like a real world man going through some sense of like struggle and plight, then maybe the emotional journey of those two together is more of a, I don't want to say it's not thoughtful because the entire thing I say, I I think it's borderline genius, but Mm -hmm. the delicacy in which they're, as you say, they're trying to make their points in the third act just sort of feels like they're putting Ken on the cross almost. You know what I mean? Like like, like the poor guy is literally just used as an avatar for sort of all of men's failures, even though he's positioned as being both a joke and sympathetic. So you're you're confused. You're like, am I supposed to feel bad and relate to this guy or is he the villain? And I think that that gets muddled into not just the character of Ken, but the movie's message about the patriarchy as a whole i agree because like like you said i feel like they split it two ways where they make ken very likable and very easy to relate to in some capacity but then they're like he's literally taking over the world like a january 6th like (laughs) you know capital raider (laughs) i'm like okay well i don't know how to feel about that um and it's it's just kind of because he's literally lost right his whole purpose he says his job is beach his job is not beach his job is barbie and so and that is why i get a little confused it's because it's like at the end of this day this character was created to serve her yes but I, i i do like the message at the end that uh it's kind of like everyone needs to find themselves yeah like like finding your own version of what being a man or woman or xyz is i think that message is strong whereas the gender roles stuff gets a little bit more murky and 
Um, I, I do wonder how much that comes down to maybe the studio playing a hand and being like, oh, maybe tone that stuff down or move right. some things around or whatever. Right. Because Like every- as uh, Michael Jordan once famously said, Republicans buy shoes too. I'm yes. sure it was the same thing with them with men and tickets, right? Yes, exactly. So it really comes down to, you know, everyone can get behind the message of finding yourself and whatnot and, and learning who, who you need to be. But it's a little harder, I think, for some people to get behind the idea that uh, women can be president and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so yeah, like I, I feel like if you're uncomfortable with the word patriarchy being thrown at you a lot, that's a you thing. Yes, <laughs> like, I, I really didn't hear it. Like I think it was Ben Shapiro said it's like ten times. I'm like I you're keeping track of how yeah, you started yeah. counting. Like okay, yeah. but <laughs> and it's also largely funny. It, it is like, funny. It's a comedic effect. When he says, yeah, when I found out that patriarchy, I, I don't know the exact line, but he was like, I thought it was just mainly about horses and it's not. And I was like, now about like, uh, <laughs> how can you be mad about that? It's, it's a, and I, I think they even kind of lean into this idea. Like uh, when Barbie is talking to Ruth at the end, she's like, patriarchy is like a made up concept. Like they're not out here preaching to you that way necessarily like and they're not trying to downplay it either but there is like a more like nuanced idea there where this movie isn't trying to be anti-men which i've which is the sentiment i've seen passed around i'm like it's trying to be because the movie starts as barbies rule the world and then the second half is ken's rule the world and everyone starts to realize neither of those are really working for everybody right exactly they have to realize everyone can work together coexist be beautiful together and that is the overall message it's not one is better than the other um it's trying to empower everyone and elevate everyone to the same level which is somehow going over people's heads i i can't expect that to not happen to a failed screenwriter but that's you know neither here nor there (laughs) um all right i think that's a good place to move on let's talk about the leads robbie I loved that they had a fourth wall joke about it because she is, it's distracting in this movie. Uh, And this is a spoiler warning for Barbie. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. There's a literal joke in this film where they're trying to make a point where like Barbie is like when the Ken take over Ken land, Barbie like loses her like magical lust. Right. And like Mm -hmm. the makeup fades away and she says something like, I'm no longer beautiful. And Helen Mirren's voice pops in and is like, Note, if you want to make this point, do not cast Margot Robbie. And it's true, dude. I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody look that good on screen. I don't yeah, know who else. On, I don't like the idea that Amy, that this project <laughs> was originally built around Amy Schumer is not only insane because of who Amy Schumer is, but like Jennifer Lawrence, I don't think she could pull this off. And Hathaway, like I'm just trying to think of like 30 year old A-listers, right? Ana de Armas. I don't think any of these women could have pulled this off not only because margot robbie has that almost otherworldly manufactured beauty to her wherein it's like you don't look real but her <laughs> dramatic chops her ability to sell emotion with just her face i found some of the most effective whereas like ryan gossing was effective for laughs right the best stuff that i thought robbie did as barbie was the emotional scenes yes she's um, 
able to really portray a sense of humanity in a doll, which I think is really impressive. And she can do the doll stuff very well, but she brings another level of depth when she gets a taste of what the world is like. And to split that balance of being like clueless, but not stupid. Yes, it's there's a level of ditziness, but awareness of what matters, what she needs to go through, what she needs to learn. Because, you know, at the beginning, she's offered this choice, choice in quotations of stay in Barbie land and be ignorant to everything or go in the real world. By the way, Kate McKinnon was unbelievable hilarious there's a moment where there's like a jump scare where i think barbie's like unconscious and kate mckinnon's face jumps up and then it, it hard cuts to the barbie ugly barbie doll's face i i literally spit laughing i was like holy shit yeah she's really good in this um but yeah like margot robbie like like you said it's hard to imagine amy schumer in this role because one i don't think she from everything she has done has the nuance and depth. She's very like ham-fisted jokes, I think. And I, I think the overall message of the movie, I can see that being something that she would work with, but would not have the level of depth that Margot Robbie can give to it. Someone and I think Amy Schumer just comes across as very unlikable. I'm really just shitting on someone right now. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> she comes across as unlikable while Margot Robbie is immediately charismatic. When you see her wake up out of bed and doing all of her fun little things, you're like, I love this. This is so yeah. cute. I love yeah. this. And um, yeah, I mean, you really feel for her and her her sense of depowerment, I guess, in the middle of the movie. And you want to see her um find her place in this world and at the end she does and there's also a level of physical performance here that we know that she has we've seen it in the wolf of wall street we've seen it in babylon she could we've seen it in the dceu she could be a very physical performer but here it's used for comedic effect one of the biggest laughs i got when she was when she just kind of like collapsed on the ground mm-hmm. and then went stiff and was just mm-hmm. kind of laying around like like a barbie doll yeah exactly <laughs> so all those little details work for me the way in which the characters talk and move and think as if they're being controlled by kids i thought yes. was so goddamn smart how they explain at the start they were like barbies don't walk they just get placed yeah places. <laughs> <laughs> so like all you know all that shit really worked for me and then gosling yeah i i put out a tweet an oscar nom feels like a stretch because this just doesn't seem like the type of performance that the academy goes for but if you're measuring a performance in entertainment value it's difficult to think of somebody being better than this this year this guy literally every facial tick or time he opens his mouth yeah. can can crack you up. It, it, it is it is unbelievable. They did not. He does not waste a fraction of a second when he's on screen. I mean, everything down to when they're at the uh, like dance party at the beginning of the movie, and he's sitting in the corner just looking kind of like pissed off. And then he he comes like dancing in, and he has this <laughs> facial expression. I can't describe it, but I, <laughs> I I laughed so loud, and and no one else was really laughing. I like. So that's the thing you've got to like really key in on some of the little 
facial expressions yeah. that he does. Yeah. And, and I think if you have an awareness of guys and comedic background, whether it be with him and the nice guys are doing stuff on like Saturday Night Live or whatever, like he's really fucking funny. Like yeah. he knows how to be funny. And uh, there's there's another line towards like kind of towards the end of the movie where Barbie goes and is like, yes, I'll be your girlfriend. And he says, excuse me. And he walks away and he screams sublime. (laughs) 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 Well, I'm going to say that for the rest of my life. That is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen in my yeah, life. What's great is it's not even on camera. No, you just hear him. You just hear him. And uh, <laughs> it's just every little thing he does from even like the last shot we see of him is him wearing a sweater that says, I am Ken up. Yeah. And he's going down a slide and says, Ken is me. <laughs> I mean, all of these things are going to become instant memes like Ryan Gosling is me type of stuff. Boys night is going to be every night. Like <laughs> he's so the funniest shit, good, man. He is so good. And, and to your point of and when they both run up to each other and they're like, I figured it out. And he's like, <laughs> men rule the world. <laughs> it's so good. It's just amazing. Or when he's and, trying to go, go get a job and she's like, I'm not going to let you do one lobotomy or something like that. He's like, but I'm a man. Let me talk to a doctor. And then he goes over to an act like a male. He's <laughs> like, you're an actual doctor. It's so fucking funny. Oh, yeah, that shit is so but fucking funny. What you were saying earlier about like Barbies and stuff talk like and walk like and whatever, like kids or whatever. Uh, it's I mean, he he the way he talks is very childlike where he says, I my job is beach or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? It's like that's something like a kid would say because they don't or no, the idea like that sex. he doesn't know what sex is. Yeah, I, I think yeah. They, can, they go talk. Can I stay overnight? Why? Because I'm your boyfriend. To do what? I'm not really boyfriend sure, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, he goes over to those construction workers, and Barbie's like, I don't have a vagina, and he doesn't have a penis. And I think when they're walking away, he says something like, I have every genital or something. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's what he said quite, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. I buy it. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> oh, shit. That's so good. All right. So a 100 million plus domestic opening surely means that they're going to try to make more if they could get those three. Three being Robbie, Gosling, yeah. and Gerwig back, right? Yeah. I mean, like the movie ends in a way that I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Because she's in the real world getting going to see her gynecologist. So I don't <laughs> she would, like have to go back to say yeah, there's Barbie some land or something. Yeah, make that happen. Yeah, I, don't I just know. don't know. how. Like, you know that these suits are like, all right, let's you cook up the next one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, especially if this movie does come close to making a billion dollars, which again, I don't think is out of the question. It all depends on the legs. But I mean, there's not <clears throat> super stiff competition in the coming weeks with Oppenheimer right now, obviously, but that does have a different kind of demographic. And then the Ninja Turtles movie in a few weeks. But other than that, I mean, like this movie could really clean up the rest of the summer. Um, but yeah, yeah they I was just bumped the... um, Challengers. Yes, yes. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's probably going to be a lack of movies this fall yeah. if that keeps what up. What else is there? Blue Beetle coming out. Yeah, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> so, this has got space to cook for sure. Absolutely. I do want to see a Ken sequel. I think there is, or like a spinoff. I think there's totally room for that. Like you said, I don't, I I do think Ryan Gosling gives a, a performance worthy of awards. But like you said, I don't think the awards shows will go for it. But I would love to see him back in this role. 
for the rest of my life. Yeah, like, he's the funniest fucking person I I've yeah. ever seen in my life. It, this is genuinely the funniest movie I've seen in probably years yeah. in a theater. Like I've not laughed as hard. Like yeah. genuine belly laugh in the theater since maybe like game night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I just want to touch on Greta Gerwig's next thing going to Netflix to do the Narnia films. I understand that she said that she wants to be like a Chris Nolan type filmmaker, but I'm just so uninspired by that. <sighs> yeah. Do we have any idea of what the plot is or anything like that? No, well, they're like based on books. They're like uh, uh, fantasy books. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, th- thrilled about that. I would, I love the idea of her being like a blockbuster, large scale filmmaker, but mm-hmm. the Narnia saga is not where I would like to see her go. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about Oppenheimer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and what do I even say other than hey? Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, we are back. We are discussing Oppenheimer now. I have already seen it. Cade has not because he is flying all the way out to New York City to see it in 70mm IMAX. So in light of that, I am just going to splice in a video review that I posted in posted on YouTube and TikTok. It's about three minutes long. That will serve as my general thoughts and review of the film. And then after that, Kate and I will just discuss anything further or any questions he might have. All right, folks, last night I went to a 70 millimeter screening of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer and the movie left me absolutely floored. The best way that I could describe it is that Oppenheimer is basically the social network of World War II films. Nolan uses every technical tool in his bag from writing to cinematography to his rare ability to wrangle A-list stars to create perhaps the most important and definitive biopic since David Fincher's film over 10 years ago. Ultimately, the film is a stunning moral tale that asks, what have we done to ourselves and when are we going to stop? Now, each act of the film has a very clearly defined story that it follows. The first act is about Oppenheimer's personality and his young life. The second act is about the making of Los Alamos, the recruitment of scientists and the Trinity test. And the third act is then the fallout from the U.S. government using the atom bombs on Japan. Now, while it's an immaculate story, I did find myself rubbing up against the pace and propulsion of the plot at times, particularly in the second act when the Germans give up World War II, which therefore removes the sort of space race movie element that this film had. Amazingly, though, Nolan circles the wagons in the third act as he examines the decay of Oppenheimer's psyche as a result of his overwhelming guilt and the political machinations working against him in order to silence him and his opinions of atomic bombing. The third act was my favorite part. I thought it was the best part of the film. It is likely the part of the film that is going to get the actors in this nominated for Academy Awards. And it is the part that's going to be circling in my head for days and weeks to come. It's where Nolan truly hammers home his thematic message of humanity not only being the biggest threat to ourselves, but that we always almost realize it when it's far too late. The final few moments in particular, in typical Nolan fashion, is bravura stuff. Now, a few random notes. While I don't think it's quite in the tier of The Dark Knight and Interstellar, and for me, The Prestige, 
I think it's in that next tier along with the likes of Inception and Batman Begins. I think that Robert Downey Jr. is the most likely Oscar winner of all the performances in the Best Supporting Actor category. The score from Ludwig Gornson is A1. It is fantastic, and that will probably also score a nomination as well. Christopher Nolan and Killian Murphy are both sublime in how they get you to constantly waver on Oppenheimer's morality. And finally, I think this film is going to rack up a bunch of Oscar nominations, a bunch of below-the-line stuff like sound and editing, but also Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Kellyanne Murphy, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr., and Best Supporting Actress for Emily Blunt. All right, Oppenheimer hits theaters in just a few days. Are you more excited for this or Barbie? Let us know in the comments. All right, so those are my general thoughts about Oppenheimer. I think that this movie is going to be talked about and like when we talk about this being a masterpiece, I I think we need a better definition of what exactly that word means. But like, I think that this will be a film that's talked about in five or 10 years. And I think what I was most impressed by was how I went into it, not really knowing much about Oppenheimer, but largely just assuming that given the project that he was involved in, um, given given the actor that they chose to play him, who generally has a villainous aura to him, I just went into it assuming that I was going to not like him and walk away from this film, you know, ruining the day that he was born. And sure. I felt the opposite of that. I thought Killian makes this guy remarkably human. I left the theater actually feeling bad for the dude. Like, because at every turn... I think he is doing what he believes to be the right thing. And that the reason he has the reputation that he does, whatever that reputation might be, is more a result of the political factors around him than his actual quality of character. Yeah, I've I've heard, you know, having not seen the movie, uh, that it's a lot of um, someone who is a big believer in science, right? And when science is used and wielded for political purposes, what happens? You know, it's like this is a man who's capable of doing very miraculous and important things, but that is in turn being manipulated by the powers that be to do less than savory things. I mean, you know, you can whether good or bad, the nuclear bomb is a miracle. Like the way that that thing even exists is like that is mind meltingly like crazy that something like that is possible. And the fact that a human being could produce something like that is crazy. And then the question then becomes as well, is it good or bad? And I, I mean, I think most people would probably agree that it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, we had a period literally called the cold war where there was just constant threats from all sides that we're going to drop the bomb. We're going to do it. We're going to drop the bomb. You well, saw that, there's a there's a great line in the film that it says, like, the nuke bombing was not the last move in World War II, but the first move of the Cold War. That's cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, <clears throat> yeah someone uh, I was watching an interview with Christopher Nolan, and one of the interviewers was saying, like, you know, it's, it's not so much about, uh, like, what you said kind of right now it's about what this thing will mean in the future and here we are 2023 i mean no one started writing this movie before all the stuff with russia and stuff but i mean it's could not be more well timed yeah Yeah. i mean that threat has loomed over us 
since the creation of the atom bomb. And yes, I, I fully believe that you would come out the other side feeling bad for a guy like that because, you know, from just the surface level knowledge I do have of him, it sounds like he's just someone who's a really smart person and maybe his, you know, his gift of knowledge is also a curse, <laughs> you know, in some capacity. Yeah. Well, and they made, and they hammer home the point that he was above all else, a theorist. Yeah. He was a scientific theorist. So like he had no hands-on skill really whatsoever. Sure. So at the end of the day, while yes, he was doing it for the U S government, he was, simply scientifically theorizing about what a atom bomb could be. And when you present that in the context of, well, we do it first or the Germans do, how do you not side with him in that case? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it, the third act, I think, is where a lot of people seem to be splitting. I think that that is sort of the litmus test of if you know ball or not. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, like I've seen some complaints that the third act is too talky, that there's too much courtroom scenes. To me, the third act, I, I, I like held my breath the entire time. It's like a symphony of writing and directing and editing and acting. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure other people have mentioned this already, but like, some of Christopher Nolan's best work are scenes where two characters, I mean, I'm sure there's more than two characters in these scenes, talking in a room. I mean, you think of the Batman Joker interrogation, that's just right. two people talking in a fucking room. So, I mean, you could also say his weaker points in some of his movies are the action. Like, you look at the, the Batman movies, right. I mean, it is pretty bad at times. And he's grown with, like, Inception and, and uh, Tenet and stuff, but, like, this is a guy that when he started his claim to fame was making movies where characters largely just talk for the yeah. most part. That's where he excels. He's a great writer and always has been. And so um, I, I really am excited to see, and he's a master of using, I, I know he doesn't edit these movies himself, but he knows how to pace and cut a movie so that every second is electric and I fully believe that he would use every second of the three hours to create a sense of momentum and propulsion that would keep you on the edge of your seat. I mean, like I, I, I've seen people say, I don't get on the edge of my seat. I was on the edge of my seat for this movie, which yeah. is crazy to think about for a movie that, as we know, is just people talking and is historic, like some, one of the most well-documented events in history, right? Like we know all of the facts surrounding this for the most part. So the idea that you're in suspense over something that you know the outcome of is pretty, pretty fucking impressive. Well, that's what Nolan is smart about because he uses the black and white courtroom scenes. That is stuff that people <laughs> largely don't know. And so he yeah. uses that to build tension towards the end. And what is and what largely serves as the dramatic thrust once the Germans give up World War II, right? Because that ends the sort of space race film propulsion mm -hmm. that it had but then this plot line takes over and i actually like the first two hours i was like okay you know this is really good stuff but then that third hour to me it kicked into fucking overdrive and that is the hour that made the social network comps hammer home for me because he's weaving in i think three different timelines bouncing back and forth but sort of telling the same like overarching story if that makes sense yeah all the while using einstein as his mcguffin sort of nolan twist thing that he he can't resist but this isn't like a tenant type twist you know but it's just that classic nolan of 
he leaves you wanting to know something until the way end, and then he drops like a fucking hammer. And he does it with Einstein, which I think is particularly brilliant because he is like a human MacGuffin, right? He has an orbit and a gravity unto himself. My girlfriend very smartly said that like, it was almost weird seeing him on screen because he has such a mythological figure that imagining him as like a regular guy is startling. Yeah. So Nolan knows that. And I know that there were jokes of him being used as like a post-credit MCU type character, but honestly, it's not far away from that, but it (laughs) fucking works incredibly. I can't wait for you to see it. So you have a better idea of what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand. Like I, I would have never have, made that leap that your girlfriend made about that mythological sense because like i have felt every time i have seen him in the trailer be like hey, there's something weird about albert einstein in this not necessarily in this mcu context like you like you said but like i'm like I, what is it that is so weird about me seeing this and it's like i think it'd be like seeing martin luther king jr or something in a movie like something like that yeah. you know he's been in the movies but and then so <clears throat> nolan uses his weight to hinge the third act on on that's that's a ballsy man right there. Yeah, I yeah. Love that it's, guy. it's I I've been <laughs> thinking about the third act since I saw it on Tuesday, and honestly, you know me, I don't go to the theater outside of screenings for my job a lot. I'm thinking about doing it for this because it is just rattling around in my head nonstop. I can't wait. Um, you're you're seeing it a week from today, right? Correct, and it's it's a hard wait. And I last yeah, I night, thought we agreed though that you were gonna just see it twice. I I thought about it and then i was like my friend who's going is like i'm not seeing it till you get here so i was like oh yeah I, I can't do that to you yeah, i'd be yeah. fucked up so yeah. yeah so um and and i looked at um showings last night to be like should i just go and <laughs> and <laughs> you're uh, gonna have that thought every single night until friday i know and every <laughs> night this weekend is sold out in imax and i'm wow. not seeing it anything less than imax so yeah. i'm just considering it completely off the off the table yeah. um yeah which is again fine by me if, if the first way i have to see it is the way i'm paying a lot of money to go see it then that's fine <laughs> yeah okay all right i think that will conclude our barbenheimer discussion make sure to follow Cade at kate underscore under and all of his fantastic work at comicbook.com follow myself at eric underscore ital and all my work at bro bible please also follow at postgred pod on twitter instagram and tiktok i'm trying to build up those latter two platforms join us n- oh shit so you're not seeing it until next friday so thursday next thursday still we're not gonna be yeah, able to get right. your thoughts and i don't think brandon's seeing it for a while either so yeah, yeah all right so those that will probably <laughs> cover that's probably going to cover our oppenheimer discussion for now if brandon maybe sees it before next weekend we'll dive a bit deeper into it unfortunately secret invasion ends next week i haven't watched since week two but yeah, I uh, I guess we'll see how that goes as well. But <laughs> otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week. All right, y'all. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 